0: Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Celtic View podcast, the podcast of the nine in a row champions. Uh, A slightly strange podcast this week, obviously, we'd have been planning on looking back on Wednesday night's game against London, of course, looking forward to the weekend game against Aberdeen. That sadly has not been the case. Uh, Celtic's two games suspended in the wake of Volleyball and gully, uh, breaking the the strict protocol rules that are in place for Scottish football. We're going to be chatting about that and all other things to do with Celtic. But first, let's hear from Neil Lennon and his reaction to what happened in the course of this week.
1: What's the rest of the squad? What's the feeling from them? Anger. You know the uh, disappointment, frustration. You know, we're looking to get a bit of momentum going and uh, get this, you know, they've waited a long time to play competitive football. And um, it's just not good enough. It's just simply not good enough. So not only has he let himself down, but he let the club down. And it's been totally disruptive to the preparations now. Does it so, bother you that
2: you may be playing catch-up again
1: here? No, well, look, we just uh, it doesn't bother me. You know, I've got my head around it already. We just have to get on with it. Um, and accept that these are the circumstances that we find ourselves in, whether people want to blame the club as a whole or blame the individual, that's where we find ourselves in. We accept it and um, we'll prepare as best we can for the upcoming games. We can only apologise to our supporters, you're going to miss out on seeing us play over the next week or so, but um, we'll be more determined than ever when we come back. Is there any
2: indication as to when these games can be played?
1: No. I mean, Ronnie Mooney got the, the shout an hour ago. so I mean, you're asking me questions here that uh, I can't answer. You know, we, we'll have to find dates and fill them in when we can. As but far as you're concerned, your next game is? Reykjavik. Next week? Yes. And the following week Champions
3: League, should you get
1: through that? Um, well, we've got Reykjavik and then we've got Dundee United, and then hopefully another Champions League game after that. Do you have a sense of how this is going to affect you or the club, or is it just a case of dealing with it head-on? The sense of, of how how this is going to affect you, the group of players, the, the, the club, uh, the image of the club. I'm worried about you know the the, for the short term, the image that, that they portray of the club, and it's a wrong one. You know, it's like we're going to get criticism, but like I said, if it, and I'm I'm saying this, you know, honestly, the club have done everything in their power, you know, to get this to get the game going. It's been at the forefront of everything in terms of dealing with the government, you know, setting good practices in, you know, safety protocols, health protocols, stadium safety, everything, looking at getting, you know, supporters back into the stadium, getting the game up and running again, they have done everything, the testing has been constant, logging in every day on the health app, that's been constant, letting us know where you are, and we've been let down by a player who's blatantly disregarded the rules, for whatever reason is beyond me, I have no idea, so... Short-term hit, and then we'll come back, hopefully better than ever. I'm
0: delighted to be joined on the podcast by Tony Conley, my Celtic View colleague, and also our digital marketing manager, Craig Johnson. Tony, first of all, when I come to you, we just heard Neil Lennon there. When he spoke, you could, could feel the, the kind of frustration. He, he said he was livid. There was a real sense of disappointment that, Obviously, you know, it's like the club down, but I think obviously he feels that very personally, you know, given what he'd said to the players in the wake of the, you know, what happened up in Aberdeen.
4: Yeah, I think he'll feel that trust has been broken. You know, he he trusts the players, that the players trust him. And, and when someone does that, you would take it personally because they have a close bond with the manager. They all work closely together. So someone's actions like that, it really affects everyone, and and you you don't expect that from your teammate who should be looking out for you and avoiding doing anything that's going to disrupt the the team or impact on the team.
0: Craig, uh, one of the things the manager mentioned, and again, I think that feeds into that level of frustration, is that the club has, you know, followed all the protocols, everything's been set in place, they've been at the forefront and and trying to get football back up and running for this season, and, and that was you know, that was a real frustration that then it's been kind of undone by what the manager described as the, the kind of selfish actions of, of one person.
2: I think that is the frustration. I, um, have working here, we know exactly what has gone into all the planning behind the scenes, um, both up in Lennox Town and here at the stadium, what happens on a match day around about both the players and the, the kind of support staff here. So there is a massive amount of work that goes into this, and um, it's frustrating that, that that has happened. I think what it does do, it kind of reinforces the importance of just everybody being vigilant, everybody kind of being on guard and um, just really kind of being fixated on this This virus won't go away. It's, it affects everybody. So it's kind of, um, no matter if you're a player, if you're support staff, anyone, you've got to kind of be on your guard and just really focus on how we're going to get through this.
0: And I suppose, you know, Again, from the players' point of view, Tony, they would have been getting into like certainly Tuesday's training with very much their eye on the game against St Mirren on the Wednesday night. And that would have been the preparations. And then obviously following that, they'd have been then preparing for the visit of Aberdeen to Celtic Park for Saturday. So it's kind of disrupted that in terms of, particularly in the back of the one all draw at Rugby Park, they'd have been looking to try and bounce back very quickly with a win.
4: Yeah, we've heard that from the players before. When we've talked to them whenever they've dropped points, they're really eager to for the next game. They just want to get right back in there and, and play. So it was ideal that we were going to have a midweek fixture for the first time in about five months. And when there's been so long without football to, to have a nice run of games and build up some momentum, really, it's exciting and it's, it's important as well for, for the players to... To be playing regular football and, you know, building up early on in the season that match fitness. And then for this to, to come along and sort of derail that, it is it's frustrating, um, you know, both mentally and, and physically as well. I'm sure they're all still working hard in training, but we know that there's nothing quite like match fitness from for playing these games. It's really important, especially as we're we're building up to Champions League qualifiers as well. It was really important to, to get some games under our belt.
0: Celtic will return to action on Tuesday night against Keir Reykjavik. We're going to look at that game in the course of the podcast but we are going to first of all look at uh, some positive news that happened this week, Craig, and, and I suppose before we go on, obviously people will see the backdrop that I've got of the, the Celtic part freeze Tony's got the, the classic bookcase. we just have to reassure people we haven't you in a cupboard. cell <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's, it's obviously it's, your know, words of wisdom that we're really uh, wanting to hear and Uh, The news came this week that we've signed a new striker, Albion Ayeti, Uh, who came up from West Ham United, a former uh, teammate of Moy Elianussi, FC Basel, Swiss international player, Uh, number 10, I'm hoping that's significant in this season, but, you know, certainly I think the fans will, will be excited to see him in action, you know, sooner rather than later.
2: Yeah, I think so. Um, on paper, looks a great signing. Um, experience of winning leagues over in Switzerland, playing in the Champions League, all the pressure that comes with that. Um, he's of a good age. He's uh, sorry, He's been a target, I think, for quite a while for the club. Um, so it's great to finally get him on board. I think um, that whole kind of long-term targets has been a trait of both our summer signings, um, both Barclas and I am a yeti, so it's, so it's kind of a theme running through our signings. I, am, I think it's a significant layout. We found it difficult, I think, to break into the West Ham team I am down in England in his first season. But if you see, it's similar to Elanissi, I suppose. Kind of the, before that, he played for Ball, he Got I think it was one every two, average a goal every two games. So he's got a good record over there. Um, so it's something that hopefully um, he can bring in, hit the ground running quite quickly. I'm not too sure of his fitness of how that will be, um, of how much the manager wants to integrate him before starting him. But I think he can be registered for um, Tuesday night, can he?
0: Yeah, and I, again, I think he'll be he'll be looking to play. Interesting. Uh, I, I say Basil, you say Bao, So we'll... oh. <laughs> we both know what we're talking about. <laughs> Tony, uh, you know, it's always exciting when when the club get a new player. You know, the fans obviously want to see him before too long. And I think Craig touched on it, that idea of, in similar to El Unussi, that sometimes, you know, players can come to a club and it can be frustrating and it maybe just doesn't work out for them for whatever reason. But then I think the next club can sometimes benefit because you're getting a player who, he's still only 23, he's desperate to, to play football first and foremost. So he'll be really hungry to to show what he can do at Celtic and show that, you know, that that the season at West Ham was just a collaboration and he did deserve his his position and I think we could get the benefit of that.
4: I think so. At West Ham, he only had about eight or nine appearances, so he really didn't get much of a a look in, but the quality is there. He's he's a great age and he's come through a, a good academy system as well, I think. Uh, Barcelona's academy systems produced some really good players in in the past. Uh, a steady string of players like uh, Rakitic as well. I think at Barcelona he came through their academy system, so the is there. And in, in his last season, uh, he, he was firing in the, the goals for them. So is it was a wee blip at his time at West Ham? Not really getting a look in, but I think that will benefit us because he's going to be really, really hungry. He wants to, to prove himself. You know that that feeling of of not being given a chance and wanting to prove people wrong is is something that we hear players talk about a lot just you know proving their doubters wrong it's a great motivator for them so to come to a club like Celtic and to have the chance to play alongside these players they'll be getting plenty of supplies we're seeing from the the early games as well the fullbacks and stuff like that so there'll be plenty of goal scoring opportunities for him and he's, he's going to be hungry to hit the ground running and he's got that experience as well at this stage of the season playing champions league qualifiers he's played in the qualifiers he's played in the group stages so That'll be a really valuable experience. And I think he'll fit in well in the Scottish game from the highlights I've been watching. He, he does seem like a, a real strong player. He can hold off a, a challenge. He can have his back to goal and link up with Stripers as well. He's played as a parent. So there's plenty of options there for Neil then.
0: And I take it the 2 you're just teaming up against me and you're both going for bow rather than Basil.
4: <laughs> I, I was just, I didn't, that one was in the tip of my tongue. I'll probably say it the other way around next time I say it.
0: We are uh, looking forward to seeing our new number 10, but before that let's just hear a few words from his press conference at Celtic Park.
3: Yeah, I'm very, very happy to be here. Um, Finally, everything is done. Finally, I can start soon and uh, it's been a long day with the, the medical and the signing, so I'm really excited that everything is done.
2: What do you know about Celtic and what can what can Celtic do for you to make
3: you a better player as well? Um, Actually, I know a lot about Celtic. Um, everyone knows Celtic, uh, knows the tradition about this club, knows the stadium, knows the players. And I'm really happy, happy to sign for this big club. And um, yeah, personally, I'm looking forward to meet my new teammates, to start playing with them, to share the emotions, and uh, just to get better day by day.
1: You've already
2: met up with a Celtic player at El Unice. You played with him before at Basel just. Did you speak to him before moving to Celtic, and how good is it that you being able to, to light
3: back up with him? Yeah, he actually called me a couple of times, but to try to convince me. But he actually doesn't need a lot to convince me to sign for Celtic. So, um, yeah, we had a, we had a chat together. Um, he asked me about about my situation, and uh, yeah, I remember I remember the games we played together. We had many good moments. We scored a lots of goals in our time back in the days in Basel. So I'm really looking forward to to link up with him again.
0: Craig, I mentioned, obviously, the fact he's been given the the number 10, and I'm hoping that that will be significant this season. But, you know, the the prospect of of, uh, Albion Aieti playing up, either he said he can play as a lone striker, but maybe alongside Odson Edward. We saw, again, certainly the second half of last season, how potent the Celtic strike force was when, when Odson and Lee Griffiths were teaming up
2: yeah i think that's that's a really exciting He mentioned that in his press conference, and I think it's something that um will really excite both us and the fans i think they um' he's, he looks he was here at the stadium yesterday he's six foot he looks like he's got a physical presence i think um he can kind of um, complement Odson quite well. I think he'll give Odson a bit more freedom rather than just um, playing as the target man. So I think, I think it gives us much more options within um, the formations we can play and um, it'll certainly be interesting to see how he gets up against some Scottish defences.
0: Well, talking of Odson, Edward, he is the cover star again in the latest issue of the Celtic View with that absolutely beautiful away kit that comes out. Next Wednesday, actually, it's now on... It's been launched because it's been put back 24 hours because of our Champions League qualifier. Um, it may end up with just put Odson in the cover every week, but he he talks about his uh, goals for the season in terms of of targets and what he wants to achieve. And I suppose Tony, he you know he's he's seen as a kind of such a talismanic figure. Um, but obviously he he first of all his target, you know, again Craig was just talking about Champions League football for him and everyone else. That's first on the the agenda for us.
4: Yeah, that's, that's the first, that's the next game uh, as well. And it's such an important goal for the, the club and it'd be great to have Champions League football and be able to, you know, get fans back in the stadium for when the, the, the group stages could potentially come around. So, yeah, it's always an early season goal. A bit strange this year. Usually we would have played some of those early qualifiers before starting the league, but might benefit us having a, a couple of competitive league games under our, back before, our belt before we come into this. this, um, and I was reading this morning as well that you know if we were to make it to the group stages, we could potentially be in pot three. That is unless Musa Dembele Barely scuffers it for us and, and wins the Champions <laughs> League for Leon. So um, yeah, I know there's there's a lot of games. It's going to be hard, you know, with these single legs. Um, I think that's when the fans will, will really be missed. But we've seen that the players are equally is motivated as well. They want to, they're desperate. They love Champions League football. So they'll
0: be giving it their all and and hopefully Tuesday goes well. And I should say, obviously this week's Celtic View coincides with the 55th birthday of the magazine, which was last Tuesday, the 11th of August. So we kind of highlight that, we just look back at really some of the ways that the, the, the View reported on our original nine in a row, last season nine in a row, the three European finals. So it is still going strong. It is actually even older than me, so it shows you how old it actually is. Um, next week's Celtic View, uh, we're already in the midst of that, um, I know Tony's got a, a brilliant feature on a guy called Michael Connolly, uh, no relation, it has to be said, but he's uh, a student, Tony is in the, in the midst of doing a, a PhD on the life of Brother Walford and it's quite far down the line and I think it's, obviously it's an academic thesis that he's doing but he he does touch on the in the piece about how he'd like to possibly write a book on it and I, I think it's something that Celtic fans would absolutely love to to read about the real story or the full story of of brother Wolf's life
4: yeah and I, I can't think of a better person to write that book than Michael I, I've known him a few years now he's a, a really nice guy I'm a massive Celtic fan but obviously a great academic as well so he's got that passion behind him he's in the third of four years of this phd he's doing it through sterling university so i caught up with him he was telling me a wee bit about how it's been going and it's been really interesting he's been traveling quite a bit going to brother Wilfred's birthplace he's, he's going to france he's, he's looking into his time down in london as well where he ended up after celtic but he's looking at his whole life and obviously a big part of that is his work in glasgow he spent number of years in Glasgow and then the charity work that he done there has had such a a huge legacy throughout the world Um, and he's been looking through archives finding out a a bit about what he was doing in some of the the intermittent periods where there maybe wasn't much written about what he was doing so I think he's he's uncovered a lot of new um, information about his life as well so it'll be really exciting to see the PhD when it's finished and hopefully maybe some other things like a book or a documentary if he can do that.
0: And if I was on the ball, I could have made a seamless link between Moussa Dembele and Leon, and the fact that uh, Michael had gone to Leon to interview the Maris brothers over there. But uh, I might edit that in to make myself (laughs) look... I really am. We've talked a a couple of times, Craig, already about what's coming up for Celtic. Obviously, we don't have these two domestic games this week, but we have a Champions League qualifier followed by the the trip to to Tanadice uh, a week on Saturday. The Champions League qualifier against Kear Reykjavik, it, it, as Tony touched on, it's a, a one-leg affair. It's a one-or-takes-all cup tie. We've got the home advantage. At the moment, Kear Reykjavik haven't played for a few weeks because uh, Icelandic football was suspended again by the government. So they may be a bit ring rusty as well. We've played. We've only played them on one occasion before and we won that. So there'll be confidence, but I'm sure an awareness that uh, with uh, no margin for error, it's a it's a tight float with with potential dangers.
2: Yeah, I think this um, the kind of one-off games do bring that. I think there's that kind of level of uncertainty of what will happen with no fans being at the stadium as well. I think there's still a kind of aura about Celtic Park having that home um, draw that teams coming here will kind of um, be slightly taken in by the by the stadium, and um, I think that should give us an advantage. Um, I don't know much about Reykjavik, but they're obviously kind of, um, kind of pause their season as well. So it's it's going to be interesting to see how the two teams kind of line up. And it's, it'll be really interesting from a European point of view as well, because obviously as an away team, you'd come in, you'd sit in, you'd try and um, probably damage limitation, try and grab an away goal. But obviously, it's it's very much like a, probably like a League Cup tie now that um, it's it's maybe a chance for them to go for it. They've got nothing to lose. So it should make for a good game, I think. Um, I don't think we've got too much for them, though.
0: And do you think as well, you know, that idea, as you say, it's a one-off and it's Cup ties, but, but our experience over the last few years of domestic Cup ties of how, and, and it's what people always highlight in terms of their run of success. It's the, it's the Cup success that shows the mentality of the team because, on any given day, you know, a bad decision, a bad, you know, an off day. But they've always got up for these cup ties that that will help them come Tuesday night.
2: It definitely. I think it's, it's that whole thing of um, understanding a cup tie. It's like you say, it's kind of playing the 90 minutes, it's managing the game, it's um, kind of any kind of drawbacks, it's kind of getting those clear out your head and, go, and going again. And um, they've proven that over the past three seasons. Um, so it's kind of, I think it is, hopefully that will kind of um, sit in our favour as well.
0: Tony, obviously, you know, again, it's a, it's a home game for us. That's, that's the most important thing. Well, we, you know, Craig touched on the fact that teams coming to Celtic, part, or probably if we end up going away, it, it slightly changes the dynamic of the tie. But I suppose from a Celtic point of view, it's all about, we'll be taking the game to Reck of it because that's, that's what we generally do anyway.
4: Yeah, I think so. And I think it could play in our favour as well that, like Craig was saying, that these away teams can't really sit in and try and take a result back home for them. They're going to have to come out and we see domestically how much that plays in our favour when teams do come out and try and attack us. You know, if we get an early goal against a team, it forces them out. It opens up space that, that the Celtic players can exploit. So... I would expect it to, to be a favorable situation more for, for Celtic when they're coming up for these teams. You know, there's definitely stronger players in this Celtic squad. You know, Celtic should be getting past this team, not saying that it's going to be by any means easy, but making sure that those teams aren't sitting in and, you know, you're struggling to find space. You know, like we've seen with Kamarnock, it can be really difficult when they just put 10 men and 11 men in the box and you're, you're trying to find these gaps. So, you know, Rekki need need to, to get a win here. It's all or nothing. And the Celtic side are, are great at, at coming out on top in these one-game situations. You know, as we've seen with the domestic cup success, they just they know what it takes to go over the line when it's all on the line and they, they can't afford to, to drop anything within that 90 minutes.
0: And I mentioned the fact that we've played them before, back in 2014, Ronnie Dyler's first season. But although it's the second time we're meeting them, Craig, it's the first time they'll be at Celtic Park, because obviously, as people remember, that was our, our, one of our two games that we played at Murrayfield, given the fact that we're still working on the stadium following the, the Commonwealth game, So, a new experience for Reykjavik. We did well last time. Uh, two goals from Virgil van Dijk and two from Timu Puki on the night. Uh, <laughs> secured the end up being a
2: 5-0 aggregate win. Yeah, I think Callum McGregor scored in the first leg, didn't he? Was that on his debut as well?
0: It, it was on his like, debut. And more, maybe more importantly, it was on my
2: birthday. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so I think Kell McGregor, Virgil van Dyke, Team O'Pookie. If Ayeti scores on his debut, then uh, I think we've got a, got a good one on our hands here. Um, but yeah, I, I think he'll be. Um, I think we will have that advantage given the the sport arena that Celtic Park is and kind of the mythical nature of it, so I think um, definitely it's, it's uh, I think, just a, I, one thing, back, touching back on what Tony was saying, I think it gives it a chance to play in Europe with the handbrake-off, because of these no-away no, no away goals, you can go for it, you can try and get that early goal, you can probably be take a little bit more risk as well, because you're not worrying about leaving the back door open, so I think there is that chance of... Can I, maybe a few goals, I don't want to curse it now, but <laughs> I just have. But um, just a few goals on uh, Tuesday night.
0: And obviously the, the reward for winning this game, Tony, is, is a tie against the winners of uh, Ferenc Varos of Hungary, Urjungaarden of Sweden. So again, we know, and I think it's going to be another home tie. We were first out the draw. So I, I suppose particularly in this situation, that's all we can really hope for.
4: Yeah, another home draw is great. It's good for the players to not have to be travelling at this time to try and reduce the risk of the spread of coronavirus. So to know your opponents, I don't think they'll be spending too much time thinking about them right now. You know, when we've spoken to the players, we know that their minds is just fully on the next opponent. But it's good to know that they've got that home advantage if they can get through this one as well.
0: Do you know, every time you're, you're talking, Tony, I keep thinking, I hope people, I hope you've got some good books in that bookshelf in case people are just honing in on it just to see what you're reading <laughs> tastes <are>. <laughs> The Vino <the laughs> album in the
2: background. <laughs> a,
4: a position it sort of my shoulders are in the alcohol, so there's a <laughs> whole shelf dedicated to
0: that. Yeah, consummate professional. Mm-hmm. We are going to uh, close out the show by just looking back on that Callum McGregor uh, goal that, that Craig mentioned. I should say also that in this week's view, we've started a new feature, which kind of ties in with the Celtic View Twitter feed where we were actually, uh, ironically, we chose four goals uh, against our next opponent, which should have been Aberdeen, and we asked people to vote on their favourite and we chose uh, a comment from each of the four and then we 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 saw which one was polled as the, the favourite goal against Aberdeen and the one that won it was uh, Tom Rogic's goal in the 2017 Scottish Cup final to to clinch the invincible treble. So if you go into the uh, Celtic View uh, Twitter feed at Celtic View. We've got another poll running for the the game against Dundee United the following Saturday, so you can vote for that, and you know you might end up in next week's Celtic View, uh, guys. Thanks for joining us uh, on this podcast, Tony. You can get back to to reading, not drinking alcohol. Craig, we might let you your uh,
2: your presence. going to break out in a minute. <laughs>
0: I'm go for it. We are going to finish with a goal against of course they are the visitors to Celtic Park on Tuesday night, it was back in July the 15th 2014 Callum McGregor made his debut it was Ronnie Dyler's first competitive game and we ended up winning 1-0 in Iceland Back out to this far touchline, McGregor goes to the byline, he's got past one he stays on his feet, he's back on his left foot it's McGregor, McGregor it's a goal for Celtic! On his full Celtic debut, Callum McGregor opens the scoring in such an
1: impressive way, it's KR now, Celtic won. Wonderful play from the young Celt, fully deserved as well, he was brave, he went past the first defender, cut inside on past the second, onto his left foot and beat the goalkeeper at the near post. Celtic deserved that, they've been a better team in the last 20 minutes, put Reykjavik under severe pressure and I'm absolutely delighted for Callum. He really deserved that. He's taken his chance and really put that goal away brilliantly. And, you know, that was so important for Celtic, just to get that goal, to give them that cushion, Kenny. And now with six minutes to go, we have that lead.